0: Hi everyone, my name's the Senator, and I'm crazy about books. I love reading them aloud, but my brothers can only sit still for about 20 seconds before they just run off or start screaming and wrestling, so I've decided to share my love of reading with you guys. I hope that you enjoy. <clears throat> okay guys, imagine me gesturing very dramatically. <clears throat> Here we go. It is now time that I present to you our long-awaited, highly acclaimed, very entertaining Keeper of the Lost Cities, Chapter 21. Enjoy. Or not. I mean, no one's forcing you to listen to this. I don't know why you would be if you don't enjoy these episodes, but hey, to each their own. Whatever bakes your potato. Anyway, let's get on to the chapter before I embarrass myself more. Chapter 21. A highly embellished version of the Great Cape Destruction spread through the school faster than the white fires of her old city, and Sophie knew Keefe had everything to do with it. Even her mentors had heard about it. Sir Connolly joked that they'd have to work their way up to bottling fire and elementism so she wouldn't burn down the school. Lady Anwin told her in multispecial studies that she hadn't laughed so hard in three hundred and twenty four years, and Sir Faxton had to cancel his metaphysics lecture because he snorted lushberry juice all over his clothes once again. Sophie could feel everyone watching her as she wandered the halls, except this time they wanted to know her. Kids invited to sit her to sit with them during lunch. they introduced themselves during orientation between classes they complimented her eyes. Dex told her the next week they were getting requests for brown eye drops at slurps and burps. He was in the process of trying to create them. Sophie couldn't believe it. Overnight, she'd somehow become popular. Grady was relieved when she told him. The more she belonged at Foxfire, the harder it would be for Bronte to get her expelled, but she refused to take anything for granted. She still sat with Morella during lunch. Dex joined them when his detention was over, and Jensy slipped in a few days later, but he reached out to her on the first day, so he was allowed. Plus, her sessions were incredibly challenging. Lady Galvin didn't fail her, but made her work on the opposite side of the room, which turned out to be a wise decision. Fires and explosions were a regular occurrence. The problem was, Sophie didn't just have to learn, she had to unlearn a lifetime of human knowledge, where things like Alcahiste didn't exist, and the laws she'd learned in chemistry were wrong, and tripped her up. She had the same problem with her other sessions. Levitating was supposed to be impossible, so was catching wind in jars and bottling rainbows. She constantly had to remind herself not to trust her instincts, because they were all wrong. And even when she tried her hardest, she still messed things up. Which was why her telepathy session became the highlight of her week. Every skill came effortlessly, and she was amazed at the things she could do with her mind. Tyrgan taught her how to shield her brain from unwanted human thoughts, in case she was ever around humans again, and how to transmit her thoughts into someone else's mind. She even learned how to project mental images onto a special paper, like a psychic photograph. For the first time in her life, she didn't mind being a telepath. It was actually pretty cool, and no one could deny her talent. Even Bronte wouldn't be able to. Too bad she had to keep it a secret. It would have been fun to shut Stina up whenever she teased Sophie about needing remedial studies. Stina still hadn't manifested a special ability, so it would kill her to know that Sophie was a telepath being trained by the greatest telepathy mentor ever. But she'd have to be patient. Stephen would learn the truth eventually. Plus, she had other problems. Biana avoided her like the plague, and Sophie had a strong suspicion she was keeping Fitz away from her. Two months had passed since she'd moved to Havenfield, and except for a couple waves across the hall, she hadn't seen or talked to him. She missed him, more than she wanted to admit. The next week, Sophie finally saw Bianna waiting at the Leapmaster without her snotty friend Maruka, another member of the I-Hate-Sophie Foster Club, and decided to try reaching out. Bianna spotted her and cut the line, leaping home before Sophie could reach her. The sigh Sophie let out sounded more like a growl. What's wrong? Dix asked, catching up with her. "Bianna, I don't know what her problem is, but I'm really getting sick of it she's just jealous. She's used to being the prettiest girl in school. As soon as the words left his mouth, he turned bright red. Sophie knew her face had to be redder than his. Neither of them seemed to know what to say after that, so she waved goodbye and left back to Havenfield without another word. She came home to total bedlam. Grady and Adeline were struggling to subdue a very angry woolly woolly mammoth, and the gnomes were chasing a small pack of rabbits with antlers. "'You're just in time,' Grady called to her as he ducked under a swinging trunk. He pointed to a lump of trembling purple fur. "'Can you get the verminian in the pen?' "'Uh, sure.' "'Thanks,' Grady boosted Adeline onto the mammoth's back. The huge, hairy elephant trumpeted in protest, an earth-shaking squeal that left Sophie's ears ringing." Sophie crept toward the purple mound of fur, hoping the verminian was as timid as it looked. A twig snapped under her foot. Hits! The creature uncurled, revealing a giant rodent face with glassy black eyes, pointed fangs, and bulging cheeks. She'd always thought hamsters were pretty cute, but this Rottweiler-sized beast was Hamsterzilla, and it looked ready to trample her like a Japanese city. "'Nice hamster-verminian thing,' she cooed, taking a step away. "'Snarl!' Hamster Zilla was not impressed. "'You have to make it chase you into the pen, Sophie,' Edeline shouted as she tried to steal her mammoth by its furry ears. "'How do I do that?' Grady dashed after Edeline. "'Get it mad.' "'But what if it catches me?' "'It won't,' Edeline promised.' Better run really fast, though, just in case, Grady added. Sophie knew this would probably end up in the top 50 stupidest things she'd ever done, but she picked up a huge clot of mud and nailed the verminion in the gut. Growl. She took the hint and bolted for the nearest pen, only to realize Grady's plan had a fatal flaw. The verminion blocked the only exit, and he seemed to know it. She could have sworn his beady eyes were laughing at her. "'A little help here?' she called as the mutant hamster closed in. "'On it!' The gnomes took over helping Edeline, and Grady raced across the yard, jumped the verminian, and pinned it. Purple fur flew as the beast thrashed to escape. Grady grunted. "'Okay, Sophie, I want you to put one hand on each of his cheeks and press as hard as you can.' After a few tries, and a lot of snarling, she managed to get her hands into position and squeeze." The verminian's jaw unlocked, and an assortment of dead furry things spewed all over the ground. "'Ew!' she whined. "'I know,' Grady agreed. "'There's a pile of bags and some gloves in the shed so you can clean it up.' She stared at the mound of flesh and fur. "'We can trade jobs,' Grady offered. The verminian growled again. Sophie sighed as she trudged to the shed, slipping on oversized gloves, and made her way back to the pile.' I am so taking a shower after this. She threw dead squirrels and rats and things she couldn't begin to identify into the heavy burlap sack. One moved in her hand and she squealed, jumping back. What? That thing isn't dead. You better take it to Edeline, then. See if there's anything she can do. Sophie stared at the quivering ball of gray fur, afraid to touch it again. "'My arms are getting pretty tired here, Sophie.' "'Snarl,' the Vermidian added. "'She steeled her nerves and threw the rest of the dead things into the sack. "'Then she picked up the live creature, "'trying not to shriek as he trembled in her hands. "'He was the size of her palm, with enormous green eyes, "'furry ears, and bat-like wings. "'His tiny chest heaved as he struggled to breathe. "'Sophie raced across the pastures toward the shed.' Adeline, I need your help. Adeline rushed to her side, wiping mammoth wool off her tunic. Sophie held out the suffering creature. Do you think we can save him? Adeline's Adeline's gentle fingers probed through the fur. He has some deep scratches and his leg looks broken, but we can try. Sophie followed Adeline into one of the stone outbuildings. Beyond the shelves of carefully organized supplies was a space set up like a veterinarian's office. Adeline laid the creature flat on its back on a sterile table, spreading out his limbs and wings. She smeared a yellow salve over the wounds and then set the leg and conjured up an eyedropper and a bottle of youth. She dripped a single drop of liquid onto his furry lips. Sophie squeezed Adeline's arm as a tiny purple tongue popped out and licked the drop of water. Adeline stared at where Sophie's hand touched her. Her eyes turned glassy. Sophie pulled away. Sorry. No, it's just... She cleared her throat. Can you keep an eye on him while I help Grady finish up? Sure. She waited for Adeline to leave, then placed another drop on the creature's lips. Don't die, little guy, she whispered, watching his tongue pull the water into his mouth. Twelve drops later, and his breathing was st- steady. He curled into a tiny ball. "'That's a good boy,' Sophie cooed, stroking the fur along his back. He rewarded her with a squeaky rumble in his chest. She smiled, remembering Marty's crackly purr. "'How's the patient?' Granny asked from the doorway. He stood next to Adeline, both of them watching Sophie with small smiles. "'I think he's doing better. He drank a bunch of water, and now he's sleeping.' Adeline nodded. "'That's a good sign.' "'Do you want to wash up and have some dinner?' "'Can I bring him with me? I don't want to leave him alone.' "'Grady grabbed a small cage from the shelves and filled it with dinosaur fluff "'from a nearby barrel before handing it to her. "'Good job, Sophie. You saved his life.' "'She brought the cage inside. "'After an incredibly hot, soapy shower, met Grady and Edeline downstairs. "'She kept the cage with her at the table to keep an eye on the creature.' He rolled onto his back with his mouth open and his tongue hanging out. If it weren't for the chainsaw-esque snores vibrating from the cha- cage, she might have been worried he was dead. What is she? What is he? She asked with a mouthful of brat tail, a tuber that tasted like sausage. An imp, Grady grumbled. They're trouble. When I was a kid, one got inside my treehouse. I've never seen such a disaster. You want to keep him, don't you? Edeline guessed. Sophie shrugged. ''Maybe.'' Edeline smiled. ''You are not seriously thinking about this, Ida. Have you been around an inn before?'' ''Please tell me you're not afraid of a six-inch ball of fur,'' Edeline teased. ''You should have seen my treehouse. Plus, they bite. Did you know that? And their bite is venomous. It won't kill you, but it stings. A lot.'' Sophie looked at the tiny, snoring body and tried to see the vicious monster Grady was describing. All she found was a cute little lump of fur, whose life she had saved. Grady, we tame dinosaurs and yetis. We can handle an imp, Edeline argued. Grady laughed. I can see I'm outnumbered here, but don't say I didn't warn you. Sophie and Edeline shared a smile. Then Edeline helped her bring the cage to her room. Sophie chose a table by the window so the little guy would have sunlight during the day, and crouched down to check on him. He was still conked out, snoring like a wood chipper. What do you want to name him? Edeline said. Sophie blushed. I know it's silly, but I kind of like Iggy. Iggy the Imp. I like it. She placed a hand on Sophie's shoulder and Sophie straightened. Sorry, do you mind? No, it's nice, Sophie whispered. It was the first time Edeline had touched her. Edeline held her breath as she used her other hand to brush a strand of hair off Sophie's cheek. Sophie closed her eyes and leaned into Edeline's hand. Her heart seemed to swell inside her chest, filling an empty space she'd almost forgotten was there. Her human parents had been generous with hugs and touches, and she hadn't realized how much she'd missed those gestures. She held still, afraid to do anything to ruin the moment. Adeline swept her hand across Sophie's forehead again and let out a sigh. You should go to bed. Her fingers brushed down Sophie's cheek as she pulled away. Sophie blinked and nodded. I'll get ready. Good. Adeline smiled and her eyes glistened with tears. I hope you sleep okay, she added with a dubious glance at the noisy cage. Me too. Sophie's cheeks still tingled where Adeline's fingers had left tiny trails of warmth. Adeline? she asked as Adeline turned to leave. Adeline's eyes met hers. Thank you. It took Adeline a second to answer. You're welcome. Good night, Sophie. Good night. When Sophie climbed into bed a few minutes later, it finally felt like home. Okay, that's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.